Assembly Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. It is good to see each and every one of you this morning. It's my prayer that each and every one of you had a wonderful and happy Mother's Day. Hope you enjoyed your time uh, last Sunday afternoon. And I know we beat the Methodist to Taco Bell last week. Amen? <laughs> God is good. My goodness, it's nice to see each and every one of you. And I hope you enjoyed uh, your weekend. Now, if you are anything like my family, when something interesting comes up, like Tim Tucker so, we've been observing the rabbit fest. Some of you are like, I ain't going to that rabbit fest. It is a, it's a money trap, and you're, you're, you are not wrong. But uh, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened out there. So a couple of us last Saturday got together, and after our, our uh, Saturday uh, commitment, we, we met together at rabbit fest, and I want you to know your last Saturday family gave out over one. Hundred gospel tracts and eighty bottles of water. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. There are those that are still working on evangelism and still doing those things out there. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is good. Amen. So, also some of us said, "Well, what did you do at the rabbit fest that you did that?" Because let me tell you, it only takes about thirty minutes to get out that many. It's bad. I mean, it goes that quick, that fast. Um, but Betsy and I walked around a little bit. Jude John got to go play a little bit. Experience life without mom and dad because you know we're a little older now. We trust and we do those things. Uh, so Beth and I walked around and we experienced something that we had never had at a, a fair before, at a carnival before, and that was the best ice cream we had ever had. Let me tell you though, it was the most expensive ice cream cone we ever had. You know, it was a, a four-dollar ice cream cone, but it beat the McDonald's one. Incidentally, their ice cream maker actually worked. Amen. <laughs> well. So uh, that's kind of what was going on with Rabbit Fest, and so thank you for that. So we were gone not too long after that. Uh, but uh, thank you for your prayer. Thank you for those of you that were involved in that evangelism outreach, and we pray that God will bring fruit from that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask you to take the time to put a little visitor card in the front in front of you. Out, put it in our office place, and come back so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us. Come and experience what God is doing while Saturday Baptist Church. So, speaking of what God is doing, let's find out what's happening this week while Saturday Baptist Church. Well, today, after service at 4.30, we will have choir practice in the choir room. 6 p.m., we'll have our evening worship, but our evening worship will be our quarterly business meeting. I know, go like this. Nobody really cares about those business meetings too much. But anyway, it's a necessary evil. Come to be a part of that. And so that'll be happening at 6, six o'clock this evening. So you are invited. If you're a member, come and be a vote of that as well. All right. So Monday night, Experiencing God class will happen week three in room 103. Don't forget the ladies who usually meet Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoons and Tuesday evenings are still on hold for afternoon retreat that's coming up in August. And they'll pick back up in the Bible study again. Men will still meet Thursday night at 6.30 in room 103 for their Bible study. And don't forget Wednesday night as well. We'll have 6.30 Bible study here in the sanctuary. So you are invited to come to be a part of that. I understand that yesterday Vacation Bible School workshop went extremely well. And it was good, uh, well attended. So praise God for that. And there's still time to get involved in it. In fact, registration is open right now. If you haven't registered your student and your kids in BBS, this is how you do it. You go to RABC Code. Dot org, click announcement, and it's right there in front of your face. Register for Keepers of the Kingdom BBS. 
So you can do that, and we encourage you to do that. Do that right now. If you want to volunteer, you can find some little slips out there on the foyer, on the table. You can fill that out. Say, I'd like to help out and volunteer with that. Get that with Ms. Rosalia, our VBS director, or you can send that into the office, and we'll pass that information on to her as well. So those are some of the things that are happening uh, at Robertson Avenue. You also probably came across a little display of our baby bottle boomerang that's in the foyer, and you'll can grab a bottle. There's still some there. Take it home with you. Of course, don't forget to sign it out. Put the slip that you sign out inside the box on the display, or you can put it in the office right here, and either way, it will come to the office, and we'll have a record of who's got that bottle. If you take that bottle home, and you fill it up with loose change, and fill it up with cash, or checks, or anything of that nature, I imagine they wouldn't be opposed to filling up with diamonds or rubies either, you know. But fill it up like that. Send it back in by Father's Day. So Father's Day is the goal to get them back in. And so we'll bring, then bring all those bottles over to the Hope Pregnancy Center, and they will take them and count them for us. So it's a worthy, worthy ministry. It's a great place to support, not just financially, but in your prayers. It's a great, great, great ministry. So please personally consider being a part of that. If you look down for our Vacation Bible School Annual Bulletin, you'll see that it says DBS June 12th and 16th. It's 515 to 830. Well, there's a little typo in there. It should be 415 830. We're going to be offering that meal for our kids, that free meal in there. So I apologize about that. If that escaped my attention, forgive me on that. All right. With that being said, I think that's all of our upcoming announcements. Unless I've forgotten something, and it's a possibility. <laughs> it is a possibility. So if there is none else, let's go to the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you, DJ. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. We will be having a yard sale this Saturday, churchwide yard sale. There's still time to get a table in that, and I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm getting one myself. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and so you can get that table and sell whatever it is that you need to do. The, the table cost is $15, and that cost, the $15, goes to support Operation Christian Child shipping. And so that's how we ship those boxes out in that. So preferably consider being a part of that as well. If you've got a lot of stuff you want to get rid of, things you've been thinking about, just getting pass it on to somebody, bring it and uh, take it to the yard sale and see what you can do with that. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I enjoy it every year, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that as well. All right. Yes, ma'am. Amen. So Children's Church will still be happening this evening at 6 o'clock, so there will be child care provided for that. Thank you for that as well. Mike, there any other?
please rise and welcome one another.
eyes will fill the skies until it looks like rain. As I leave this world, past the gates of pearl, and stand before the Savior, I'll lift my soul, let the glory roll, with the roll He calls my name. I'm gonna let the glory roll, with the roll He calls it glory. I'm gonna be beside myself when I get beside the King. That day, I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. I'm going to let the glory roll when the roll is calling glory. I'm going to get beside myself when I get beside the King. That day, I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. I'm going to let the glory roll when the roll is calling glory. I'm going to get beside myself when I get beside the King. That day, I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. I'm going to get carried away Robert, thank you, Mark, thank you, Matt, thank you, Gwen. What a blessing it was. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Amen. They did, didn't they? I put the kid in. Didn't <laughs> One of these days, we are going to get carried away. Amen.
with you. Turn, if you please, to the book of First Samuel. We're start out. Folks, we're going to review a little bit of what we've been doing. We're going to start out in First Samuel this morning. This morning, we're looking at the message called The Cup, Part 3. Cup, Part 3. The conclusion of our sermon series. Two weeks ago, we began a sermon series, as you know, titled The Cup, and we looked at the cup being Christians under pressure. And we had the thought that when the world bumps us or jostles us, shakes us, it should be Jesus that squashes out. We kind of get that from John 4, verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. But we get this idea that what's inside a Christian should be the water of life. Can I get an amen on that? That's what should be there. Uh, that's what we should be doing. As churches, as Christians, we should be about giving the water of life to those who need that. Um, and the world is going to jostle you, and the world is going to shake you up, and the world is going to bump you, and what should wash over should be the water of everlasting life. Let's start looking out uh, at our two scriptures as we look at cups. And it comes from 2 Timothy 2, 20 and verses 20 and 21. The Bible says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, you need to understand that and make sure you pay attention to that. Uh, there is, when we look at that particular phrase, some to honor and some to dishonor. There is no distinction. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, just because it's a wood vessel or an earthenware vessel doesn't mean it's dishonorable. And so some of us like to think that. We like to think of the gold and silver vessels being the honorable ones and the wood and earthenware ones being the dishonorable ones. That's not what the Bible's getting at there. Uh, some of those earthenware vessels and some of those uh, wooden vessels are very, very honorable. And so look down here in verse 21. It tells us then how we become honored. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Remember now, we're talking about being a cup, a vessel, and we're talking about being filled up with the waters of life. So when the world bumps us or the world hits us or jostles us, what's supposed to splash out is the water of life, or Jesus. So what happens, though, is a lot of times we put anger, pride, jealousy, uh, territorialism, uh, we put my way or the highway inside of those cups, and out of those cups comes, well, us instead of Jesus. And we learned that there are cups to honor and cups to dishonor. Cups to honor and cups to dishonor. And we also learned that, as we focus on being Christians under pressure or cups, that we are supposed to cleanse ourselves. And we learned that from Timothy there, where he says, you're going to be a vessel unto honor, you need to cleanse yourself. There are things that we need to cleanse ourselves from. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand the Bible. You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself right with God. But there are certain things that Christians are supposed to partake in and be a part of. And if we're going to be a, a vessel that God honors, then we need to be about cleansing ourselves. In fact, that's the advice that Paul gives Timothy. He says, cleanse yourself, buddy. Some of these things are going to happen to you. You're a human being. It's going to happen. And so you want to be an honor that, uh, a vessel that's honored, so you need to cleanse yourself. And so we learned as cups that we needed 
when we need to, cleanse ourselves. So Cup started out the first week looking at Daniel. And we learned if we're going to be a vessel to honor, if we learn that as a Christian under pressure, how to relieve that pressure to be honorable, then we've got to start daring to be a Daniel. Y'all remember a little bit about that. Daniel had purpose in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. And that's part of cleansing ourselves. There are things that we need to say we're not going to be a part of. There are things we say we can't be a part of. We're Christians, and we got to say no to that. And you know something right now? Uh, some of us like to embrace the world. Well, James 4.4 4 tells us that he who makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so we need a purpose in our hearts like Daniel did to abstain from the king's meat or from the things the world is giving us. We also need to uh, purpose to be God's servant. Remember Daniel and his friends, not only did they purpose to stay away from the king's meat, they began praying as they were purposing on what to do. Uh, they began praying. And Daniel is a perfect example of that because he began praying three times a day. In fact, the Bible actually tells us in the book of Daniel that when the uh, Babylonian uh, chiefs and the Babylonian kings and Babylonian people in charge wanted to find something against Daniel, they said, we can't find anything wrong with him except for that he prays three times a day. So let me ask you a question. Wouldn't that be something you'd like to hear about? There's nothing wrong with you except for you pray too much. And that would be a wonderful thing to be heard about. You pray too much. Daniel prayed three times a day. So they set a trap for him. And that trap was that if anybody prays to anything other than Nebuchadnezzar and to his image, then they would put him in the lion's den. Well, they knew Daniel was not going to betray his God. They knew that he was going to be praying to God. And so they just waited and waited and waited. Prayer time came around. And Daniel opened up his windows as he always did. And I love Daniel for that. He opened up his windows. He does not care if the world saw him praying. He does not care if the world saw him obedient unto God. He does not care that the world saw him humble before his God. You know, there's something that we need to preach on right there. Daniel was not afraid to humble himself before God. He opened those windows up and let the world look in, seeing him praying and pouring out his heart to God. Daniel was a praying man. So they purpose in their heart to abstain from the king's meat, and they pray. And if we're going to be those cops, those Christians under pressure that need to have that pressure relief, then we've got to start purposing in our hearts to get rid of the world in our lives, in our families, in our church. Get rid of the world and the influence of the world, because the world will destroy your Christianity. Say, wait a minute, Pastor. Doesn't the Bible tell us that the gates of hell will never prevail against it? Yes, it does. But I want you to know something right now. When we embrace ourselves in, in, in involving the world, we make ourselves enemies to God. So Daniel started praying. Daniel had purpose. And then later on, we realized that Daniel prioritized God's word in his life. Prioritized it. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a, listen, I've got to do this real quick. Wait a minute. I'm going to get my prayer time done and my Bible reading done. When? God's Word becomes something like that. It's no longer a priority to you. It's an obligation. God's Word is not an obligation. God's Word is a privilege. And we need to look at it like that. Feeds us, sustains us, blesses us. Daniel prioritized God's Word. And because of that, he realized that God had a plan that he was working with his people. And Daniel, being the humble man that he was, who purposed to stay away from the world, who began praying, began reading God's Word, he realized, I can be a part of what God's doing. Now, some of you are in our experience of God class, and we are learning that God is always working around us. And
And as he's working around us, it's our duty as Christians to open our eyes and say, God, I see what you're working. Can I come and join you? And Daniel did just that. He realized what God was doing with his people Israel, and he embraced God's plan. That's experience from God. He embraced God's plan. It wasn't Daniel's plan. It wasn't somebody else's plan. It was God's plan, and he got it from God's word. Last week, though, in Mother's Day, we had a lot of fun. Not only did we learn how to dare to be a Daniel, if we're going to be those cops, we also learned that we have to care like a chicken. Amen? <laughs> and we looked at our hearts and how important it is to guard them against adversity, idolatry, and inactivity. Inactivity. Say, wait a minute. Guard my heart against inactivity. That's right. Christian's heart should be for the lost. The Christian's heart should love the lost. should be about evangelizing. Not about stagnatizing. We also learn, if you look at our scriptures in there, that Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, long have I wanted to gather you under my wings, like a hen does her. Placing himself between the dangers and his children. And we learn that as Christians, as Christians under pressure, that those vessels that need to be honored, we need to start acting like that. We need to start loving like that. Guarding our hearts and placing ourselves in between the danger. And this week, as we conclude our sermon series on Christians under pressure cup, we're going to examine someone who knows what it's like to be honored and dishonored. Someone who was clean and unclean. Someone who was a vessel that was highly fine and a vessel that, you know, kind of put on the shelf and left it. It's tough if we need to dare to be a Daniel. We need to care like a chicken. And also we need to know how to fight like a baby. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look with me in verses 36 through 40. I'm going to give you a second to put there in your Bible. 1 Samuel 17. If you don't know where 1 Samuel is, pull out your phone and say, where's 1 Samuel 17? I'm going to open it up for you. 1 Samuel 17. You have found the book of Kings. You're too far. I'll go back to that. 1 Samuel 17. The Bible tells us in verse 36, Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine to be like one of them. He has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened the sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with you, for I have not tested them. So David took them up from verse 40. Then he took the staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and was swinging in his hand. And he drew near. I don't know about you, but I grew up in my Christianity hearing about David beating Goliath. One of the greatest and funnest times I ever had with the story of David and Goliath came from my in laws. God bless your heart. One day he was reading the Bible to us and telling us a little bit about the story, and she mispronounced Goliath's name. She said, Goliath. And I just laughed and 
and it brought a great smile to my face. And every time we run into that person in the family and we start talking about David and Goliath, somebody says, Goliath. <laughs> well, we're going to fight like a David this morning. We're going to be those Christians under pressure, those vessels to be honored. There's a thing we need to understand. There are things we need to learn from King David. But before David even made it, before David even made it to Goliath, his brothers began to attack. His brothers did. You think a lot of times as a Christian that the attacks come from the Philistines? A lot of times you think it's coming from the world, but you know what? The fight started with David's brother. They were like, what are you doing here? Who are you? Why aren't you back home doing what we paid you to do, buddy? How come you're getting involved in what we're doing? The attack began in his brother. I'm not going to spend all morning on that because I'm telling you, it's a Christian that happens often. I want you to look at verse 29. David took off Saul's house. David took off. easy to see that. We learn about that. We talk about that. There's movies out there about David and Goliath. There's books out there about facing your giants and things like that. And they make wonderful applications about how we as Christians face our giants. And those are neat, 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 neat things. But I think sometimes we forget that movie verse. David threw off Saul's armor. He took off Saul's armor. See, fighting like a David isn't just about giant slaying. It's about being a vessel that needs to be honored. It's about being a vessel that God is willing to use, that God will use. It's about sometimes cleansing yourself. Fighting like a David isn't just about Goliath. Look at me in 2 Samuel 3 1. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger in the house of Saul, grew weaker and weaker. Now, before we get into David and Saul's war, let's back up just a hair bit and talk a little bit about David and Goliath. I love the story of David and Goliath. I love what it represents. I love how it makes us feel. I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, I want to go outside, grab a sling, and find anybody that's over seven foot tall. Some of us Christians are like, that story makes me feel like I can charge hell with a squirt gun. You ever hit that gun before? Well, I just fill up that little squirt gun and I charge, put out all the fires of hell, and everybody around me is going to get saved, right? That's what we feel like. We also feel like in God we can do anything. Let any giant come, let any Goliath come, let any empire come, and let me face them because God's with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the typical Christian message on that. Every giant's going to fall. Every giant's going to get out of your path because God is a way maker. Y'all heard it before, amen? But we need to focus in on what David did. David, as a cop, as a Christian under pressure, he learned something that every one of us needs to put the work in our lives. Understand, David had his problems. Understand, David had his issues. But he had no issue when it came to this. Because Saul said, put my armor on. And David said, I haven't tried that before. I'm not walking in those shoes. 
I'm not doing it. And that's bringing our first point this morning. If you're going to be a David, if you're going to fight like a David, then you need to start fighting with God's Word, with God's ground, in God's house, in God's way, and quit trying to do it with Saul's rules. Some of us are trying to fight battles with Saul, doing it the way Saul wants you to fight. You don't have to do that. You've got the Word of God. You've got the Spirit of God. You've got God with you. Shake that armor off. Quit letting the rules of man tell you where you need to be and what you need to do. You need to shake that armor off. That armor does what? It rattles. It's too big. It hinders our movement. David takes a staff in his hand, a shepherd's bag and five smooth stones. I've heard all kinds of wonderful sermons about what each stone represents. I've heard people make application and allegory about that. Those are wonderful. Those are neat. But we need to focus in on what David did. He threw that armor off. He threw it off. He cast it off. And I believe there's a picture for each and every Christian here this morning. Each and every one of us needs to understand that in Jesus Christ we are free. And we're no longer slaves. Just like God spoke through Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go. I believe God is saying right now to Christians who are trying to hold on to the world, saying, i got to do it the way the world says I need to do it. You need to start shaking that armor off. Listen to the voice of God. Let my people go. Now, not only was David a giant slave, we can see he did it by casting off the things of the world. See, when we try to look like the world, we ended up doing it the world's way. And when we do it the world's way, we end up failing. How many of you know the world is never successful? Can I give you a little spiritual advice this morning? You can't get out of a hole by digging more with a shovel. But we try that all the time. Like I hear that applied to politics all the time. They say, you can't get out of a debt by digging the hole deeper. You know what? You can't fight spiritual battles with things of the world. You can't do it. God's battles are different than our battles, and His battles are about doing it His way. In fact, God has given us a list of armor we need to put on. Are you ready now this morning? We're moving here and grooving here this morning. Not only are we to shake off Saul's armor, but God gave Esau fit in the future to tell us what kind of armor to put on. So if you are with me in your mind, God, you can flip with me in your Bible to it. Turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We get a list of the armor Christians are supposed to put on. Don't put on Saul's armor. It represents anger, jealousy. It represents you're not doing it my way. It represents things of the world. You've got to shake that off and start putting on God's armor. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus, you need to start doing it this way. You need to pick up. Listen to me now. Pick up that shield of faith. Some of us have put it down over the years expecting someone else to block it for us. No, Christian. You're a cop. You're a Christian under pressure. Pick up the shield and start blocking those fiery darts of the devil. Only that was supposed to put on the belt of the gospel of truth. Put on that belt of truth. That belt represents everything that we have. Truth. And that truth holds up everything around us. And when it's untrue, guess what happens? Your belt falls apart and you expose yourself. Think about that for a second. As we put on the armor of God. Taking off Saul's armor and putting on... God's armor. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure your heart is right with God. Make sure it's doing God's will, God's way, and make sure it's about God's people. Don't make sure it's about you. 
When we do that, we end up putting Saul's armor on, and we try to walk in Saul's armor, and we end up falling, tripping, slipping, and making a fool of ourselves. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? I've walked in Saul's armor a few times. If you're walking in Saul's armor this morning, take David's advice, cup, and throw it off. You don't need the world's armor. You need the armor of God. Make sure you put on His full armor. Put on the helmet of salvation. That mindset that I'm saved, I belong to God, I walk with God, and I will be with God forever, and nothing is going to come between me and God. That's the mindset you need. The Bible also tells us to make sure we put on our feet the boots of the gospel of peace. We're in Ephesians 6 here. The boots of the gospel of peace. Make sure you're walking on God's good news, God's promises, God's way, going God's direction, doing God's thing. Some of us have quit walking with God. And when we quit walking with God, we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves undecisive. We find ourselves saying, where do I go now? Well, the truth is, God's Word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And it will take us where we need to be. Make sure you put on God's armor, not Paul's armor. You need to take off some of Paul's armor this morning. Are you hampered by it? As the world comes to you and says, no, 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 you don't do it like that. You do it like this. You need to get back to God's Word. God's Word says don't do it like the world. Do it like I do. I love God's way much more than the world's way. Say, how do you know that, Pastor? I've tried the world's way. I've ended up messed up every single time. Every single time when I do it the world's way. Do it God's way and throw that armor off. All David needed was to be what God called. Listen to me now. What did God call David to be? Some of you said, we called him to be king of Israel. Yes, he did. But see, this is the point here. David picked up the staff and a shepherd's bag. You understand? He walked out to defeat Goliath in the calling that he was a humble shepherd. All you need to do is be obedient to what God calls you to be. And there's nothing in this world that can come between you and him. Hallelujah. Nothing. There was David fighting like a cup. And the world gossiped him, you know what came out? Living water. Sometimes living water destroys giants. Well, I guess it does. Living water destroys fear. It destroys vindictiveness. It destroys anything that comes between you and God. Living water. I love David for that because David knew when it was time to quit praying and to pick up a rock. Sometimes Christians forget that, don't we? Sometimes we substitute praying for obeying. We need to get out and obey. David knew when it was time. Why? Because David was a man of prayer. Have you ever read the Psalms before? David knew what it was like to call upon God. But did you hear what he said to Saul? Hey, there was times when the bear came down and took my lambs and my sheep. There's times a wolf came down, took my lambs and sheep. There's a time a lion came down, took my lambs and sheep. I went to God and God said, I'll be with you. And he delivered not only me, but the sheep that was in his mouth. Then this still scene will be just like one of them. Because there's nothing impossible to God. Now, not only was David a giant slayer, David was also a king of They're supposed to be this cup. Are you reading with me in 2 Samuel here? Are you reading with me? Now, there was a war, a long war, the Bible says, between the house of Saul and the house of David. Long wars are pretty terrible. Some of you've been to war. You 
Some of you have been in combat and you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been in a fight for your life and you think, that was the longest period of time I ever felt in my life. And then you actually look at the clock and it'll be 30, 40, 60 seconds. The Bible says this is a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger. Why? Because God was with him. God had anointed David to be the king. The house of David grew stronger and stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Weaker and weaker. We need to learn to fight like the David. We need to learn to fight like that David. Not only was David a kingly uniter, though, and that's what we're going to focus on in a second, he was also a practical commander. We'll get into some same section there. Not only did Saul and David go to war, not only did David have to fight Saul to be a kingdom uniter, he ended up having to move the capital. Unfortunately, now you need to listen to me just a second, we've got to learn to be kingdom united. We're going to fight like a David. We've got to be kingdom united. And as a uniter, that means there are times you have to give in. Times you have to say, you know what? I am not wrong, but it's not until it's not. Fortunately, sometimes, unification does mean a fight, though. And so, we need to learn something from King David. King David knows when and how and where to pick his battle. He knows this. How does he know this? Because he spent time in God's Word. And he's realized that when it comes about God, God is going to win. When it comes about us, we're going to lose. Here is David, fighting like a David. David was our example, is our example about how to be that Christian under pressure. Not only do we need to dare to be a Daniel, not only do we need to care like a chicken, we've got to learn to fight like a David. And David taught us how to fight first by casting off the things of the world. Get rid of them. They're holding you back. They're keeping you from doing a good job. The second thing we're learning from David this morning is that we've got to be kingdom united. And so what are the things that bring Christians together? You know what? In order to do that, we need to look at some of the things that divide Christians. Have you ever looked at church today? What are some of the things that divide us? You know what the first thing will come out of a church's mouth? Music. There's been more church fights, church splits, church birth, church death over what kind of worship a church has. Really, deep down inside, there's only one kind of worship, the worship of God Almighty. Amen? And if you'll pour your heart out into worship, it don't matter what kind of song it is. It matters who you're worshiping. We need to learn to fight like a David. David was a kingdom united. However, he stepped back in God's blessing and his house grew stronger and stronger and Saul's house grew weaker and weaker and weaker. Does that encourage you this morning? Are you in a fight somewhere? Are you hurting somewhere? Are you fighting somewhere? You're at work. Perhaps you're in a relationship, perhaps you're in your family, and there's that constant fight going. You know what? Be comforted in this. God will be with His children. God does not leave nor forsake His children. God can do anything. Nothing is impossible for Him. Start fighting like a David. What did David do? He cast off the things of the world, and he stepped back and let God bring the victory. Yeah, hallelujah. Not only... David, a kingdom uniter. How did he unite the kingdom? By letting Saul get smaller and smaller and smaller. His house got bigger and bigger and bigger, and Saul's house got smaller and smaller and smaller. David was also a capital mover. 
He was a kingdom uniter. He was also a capital mover. So what do you mean by that? Well, he moved the capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. From Hebron to Jerusalem. That's right. David's first capital was in Hebron. Think about that for a second. Does that sound something normal to you, the capital of Israel in Hebron? Most people say, I've never heard of that before. I've heard about it being in Tel Aviv. I've heard about it being in Jerusalem. But I have never heard about it being in Hebron. Well, the first capital of the united kingdom of Israel was in Hebron. And that's where David is for about seven years. For about seven years. But wait a minute, you might say, Pastor, wasn't David born in Bethlehem? And that's just a mile and a half, two miles outside of Jerusalem. What happened then? Well, you know what? Something did happen. Something did happen. The people of God started embracing the things of the world and the Philistines moved in, the Jebusites moved in, and they started taking over the territory of God's people. And next thing you know, Bethlehem was under an invasion. It was under foreign rule. And David says, we got to get my hometown back. we got to get back. Listen to me now. What is David's hometown? Are you ready for this? It may come as a surprise. It is our first love. And as a person who needs to learn to fight like a David, we need to take that advice. He was a capital mover. He moved his capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. That took some time. It took some fighting. It took some change. And how many of you know that when we change, there's always a little bit of discomfort? There always is. I'm a Baptist. That's the first thing I can tell you right now. We don't like any change. We don't like any change at all. We don't like any smallest bit of change. creates some kind of question. It creates some kind of problem. David said, we're moving our capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. We're going to move it that far from one side of the kingdom to the other side of the kingdom. In other words, I want to get back to where my family was. I want to get back to where my love was, back to our first love. And the Bible is specific to us now. We're going to fight like a David on how to get back to our first love. Some of you have been reading the book of Revelation lately, and you understand that Jesus himself speaks out to the church funny enough to the church at Ephesus and says, you lost your first love. We need to get back to that first love. We need to come back to it. Sometimes we need to move our capital from Hebron back to Jerusalem, back to where our family is, back to where the God of our fathers is, the God of our mothers, the God of our sisters and our brothers, the God we trusted to take us where we are right now, and the God who will take us where we need to be in the future. We need to get back to our first love. Back to it. Move that capital. Where have you set up your capital to? Have you set it up with God's people in God's house? With God's way? Have you set it up some of the different things? You find yourself in the ground when you're out of God's will. We need to get back to our first love. Is that where you are this morning? Say, Pastor, where is it? I like the idea of cups. I like the idea of systems under pressure. I like the idea of cleansing ourselves. I like the idea of when we get jostled and flogged, what comes out of us is the water and the water. But I'm not comfortable at all with the subject of science. I'm not talking about physical disagreement. I'm talking about spiritual. I'm talking about battling with faith. And let me tell you something about spirits. They are powerful. They are liars and they move. Not only do they move, they gain ground wherever we pull our defenses. Now, ask David about moving Bethlehem. Ask a little bit about that. What it means to give up something dear to you. We need to learn to fight like.
change it. And change it. The first thing you did was cast that armor of the world off. I don't need the world's ways. I don't need the world's tools. I don't need the world's weapons. I don't need those things. All I need is God, and I need to be doing what God told me to do. And if I'll do that, then there's nothing that can stop me. You need to be a David. Fight like a David. David was called to be a shepherd. David was shepherding. And David went out there and drove off a wolf. Granted, it was a big wolf, but there is what it was. Not only was David a giant slayer, David was king of the mountain. Sometimes you have to lift the division to smaller and smaller and smaller. Smaller and smaller and smaller. Until it gets to If you're familiar with the kingdom of Saul, you'll know what happened. Saul's son is running the kingdom and his general, which was Saul's general at that time, he's continuing to wage war with David. David's more defensive at the time because he didn't have to have an offensive because Saul's army would get smaller and smaller and smaller. And they're losing territory, losing territory. And if they lose back, David steps in. Just like that. And keep that a time until eventually the house breaks down inside. If it breaks down inside, then David is called to be king all over Israel. And when he's called over the unified, unified Israel, he says, let's move our capital from Hebron back to our first love. Can I ask you a question, sir? What is the Christian church's first love? Some of us will say, rightly so, Pastor, it's Jesus. Hopefully. But we have another first love that we need to get back to. And that first love is the love of evangelism. That love of making new Christians. That love of witnessing. That love of testifying. That love of seeking the lost. That love of doing what He told us to do. And that is going therefore into all nations, to all people, teaching them whatsoever He commanded us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. How do we do that? Because we're not ashamed of the cross. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of everlasting life to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. It's that which can change you, that which can rearrange you, that which can save you, because the cross is the message God has given us. Let's get back to our first love, sharing the cross sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and get back to doing what He called us to do. That's how we fight like a baby. Back to your first love. Move it back to that. Move it back. What God called you to do? Well, no, Pastor, I'm just a shepherd. Amen. Get the shepherd in. And when a wolf shows up, you know what? Drive them off. Don't worry about Saul's armor. You don't need that. See, that's what most of us want to do. We want to straighten King Saul. Hey, buddy, can I have some armor? You don't need it. You got God. You got God. You don't need it. You got Jesus. Perhaps you say this morning, Brother John, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't have a first love. Are you willing to come this morning? Like Daniel did and humble yourself. Say, I need to get back to my first love. Are you willing to come and ask him into your heart and let him be your Savior this morning? Perhaps say, Pastor, I need to be a member of this church. Are you willing to come down this morning and join our church, our congregation? Have to say, Pastor, not only do I need to be a member, I need to come back. I need to repent. I need to get it right with you. Whatever the case may be, whatever he's calling you to do, are you willing to come this morning? Are you willing to humble yourself? I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you at that time to humble yourself. Come on down. Remember, we are Christian we are Christians under pressure. And we need to dare to be a man. And we need to care. Come. 
up for your word. Ask you to take charge, Lord, right now. Be glorified in connection, Lord God, to your heart. There could be anyone who needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior. Anyone who needs to get their heart right with you this day would be that day. We want to give you the praise, the honor, and glory that you must. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come as we sing?
the word of the West Bank Baptist Church, don't forget tonight. Six o'clock, we'll have business meetings. So, the rest of the announcements you'll get, you'll get to find uh, inside your bulletin or online. Don't forget to check it out. RABCCode.org. Interesting thoughts there. So, Coming by statement of faith, this is a born again, blood bought, redeemed Christian, so she's been baptized, she's a part of this Baptist church. I forgot what Francis said it was. And she said, Now I'm going to be a part of that. You're going to pray for her, you're going to support her in the decision, and you say amen. Make sure you come by and hug your neck and let them know you're praying for her. And in the meantime, y'all, don't forget, don't forget. Brother Adam.